You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Either we win or we learn, and today we learn. Ardacha, Austin, Sota Gizabir. It's in field to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Bella. Onside, 1-0. Blue fast shot. Oh, my word. It's unbelievable. He ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markstone. I am the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. And let's face it, this week, parts of it at least, would have been difficult to enjoy Given the loss to Arsenal, it's definitely been an up and down week, almost as up and down as a James Ward-Prowse free kick, especially if Ben Foster is the one trying to set up his wall and maybe possibly actually trying to play goalkeeper while he does it. But we can at least be happy that it ended on a high, at least heading into the work week. We had a win to talk about and we can put the Arsenal loss in the rearview mirror and be happy with some of the performances by some of the substitutes and some of the other players that maybe surprise us a little bit uh, against Watford. And uh, we can keep that momentum going at least until next weekend when Man City come to town. But that is another story for another day. On this week's episode, we have two separate conversations, one with Chris Hutchings, who is the in-ground opta analyst for Saints. So he was at the match against Arsenal. So he obviously had the less good match to uh, to talk about, but still a pleasure to talk to Chris. Uh, I really appreciate his time and, and uh, expertise, and I also appreciate his support as he has joined the Patreon community. He's the newest patron of the show. If if you are interested in that, uh, he already got to listen to another uh, interview with somebody else, uh, and actually an Arsenal fan uh, from London, now living in L.A., uh, name is Chris Martin, uh, not the guy from Coldplay, but somebody else. But that interview was only for the patrons. So Chris has already gotten access to that, and uh, as well as a, a group chat and several other things that uh, all the patrons have access to over on patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery. If you are interested in those things and you want to support the show, uh, you can go ahead and head over there. But um, you can find Chris on Twitter at HutchFM. Uh, the link, of course, is in the show notes, but I appreciate Chris's perspective as being one of the few people that was actually in the ground when the game took place. Uh, so we talk about that. And then after that, uh, after the Watford game, immediately after the Watford game, um, I spoke with Jay Grant, who runs the Southampton page on both Twitter and Instagram. You can find them uh, on Twitter at Southampton page and on Instagram at Southampton page one. The Southampton page is the longtime partner of the show. Jay has been supportive uh, basically from day one, helping set me up with various guests and from Auntie Niami to uh, several of the guests that you have heard over the past 180 episodes. So a uh, special thanks to Jay. Pleasure to be able to talk about a win with him. So uh, the episode's a little longer. We'll cut this off here. And I look forward to uh, talking to you on the other side. And uh, I hope you're having a good week and hope you're staying safe. And uh, let's get to the interviews.
We'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Chris Hutchings. You can find him on Twitter at HutchFM. You have the pleasure of being, I'll call it, one of the few lucky ones in the stadium on Thursday when Arsenal came to St. Mary's and won like seemingly everybody else. Um, but welcome back to the show and thanks for taking the time to join me. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, great to be back in the chat again. I'll say one of the fortunate ones, I think. I'll say fortunate. Okay. Because I got to watch, I got to watch Premier League football live. We'll keep it at that, shall we? Yeah, yeah. I think that's, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, not, not the best match. Uh, and, and I don't know, I, I wrote in the newsletter, I was a little bit, um, you know, people got really carried away with the win uh, the previous week against Norwich. I mean, just need, re- yeah. I, and I think I was one of them probably. I was pretty excited about the way we played, but that's a team that's at the bottom of the table that's not going to stay up, that probably won't, I don't anticipate them bouncing back up the way they're playing this season. Um, and, you know, you would have expected any mid-table team to, to be able to handle that. You play, I don't want to say another mid-table team, but another mid-table team in Arsenal um, that that just was able to punish us when we made some mistakes. So I I, I don't want to get too down on the team, but it uh, definitely wasn't a, a pleasure to watch, I, I would say. Yeah, I think maybe the over-optimism was down to a combination of playing a, a team that's probably on the way down uh, in Norwich and also a team in Arsenal that's mid-table and had a really wobbly start to the season. Obviously got defeated at Man City kind of lost the plot a bit at uh, Brighton um, on the pitch and uh, after the final whistle as well with certain players. And uh, I think, yeah, maybe a bit of over-optimism from um, Saints fans. You, it's kind of strange because it feels like, I think a lot of people described it as feeling like a tournament now, almost like the Euros or the World Cup with this kind of nine-game playoff. We've, in England, we've got some nights, we've got three, four games on at once. So it feels really feels like a tournament. Yeah, I think something there's that optimism, a bit like there always is with England, but over the top in a tournament, and um, it came, it did come crashing down a little bit. I think yeah. the the way the game started, that 15 minutes at the start was very similar to the the kind of um, slow uh, start against Norwich. Everything looked a bit rusty, and you kind of felt, okay, we'll kick on from here, but it went completely the other way last night. It did, it did, and I. You know, my best friend, I say it way too often, is, is an Arsenal fan. He was at my, my home yesterday. We were watching the game outside so we could be, you know, socially distant. Um, and by the end of you it, I, he, could, he couldn't get far enough away from me. Um, I was, was you become more distant as the goals went in. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think my wife actually has a pretty good picture of my head on my hands as the uh, oh, the no. first goal, the first back pass kind of just you know, McCarthy bouncing it off the player. And, and she goes, I didn't know what was happening, but it didn't look good. And I was like, no, it didn't look good. Like, you know, it, but you know, and then, and then by the end of it, it was kind of just one of those things where he looked at me and he was not confident coming into the game at all. Um, and as you said, Arsenal uh, having a bit of a nightmare uh, restart. And, you know, I, I really, I, I, I tend to not, not be super confident. I'll just let the players do the talking, but I'll be honest. I was, I was pretty, I was pretty. I was feeling pretty good about the team, and it just just didn't quite work out. But uh, we'll jump into that in just a second. But I wanted to um, to just remind everybody: you were in the ground yesterday because uh, you are the in-ground opta analyst, uh, right? Is that is that the correct term? That's right. That is. I am officially an in-ground analyst for opta. Yeah, and so you were there. But I, I want to kind of get a little bit of um, insight into into what that's like, because uh, you know, normal uh, match day going fans will will know the the routine of, of getting there, going to a pub, walking in the turnstile, getting to their seat, you know, seeing friends in the concourse. Um, 
things aren't like that. I think there's a wall all the way around St. Mary's at the moment. Uh, so can you just kind of walk me through what it was like and then maybe compare it to, to, to what a normal match day is like? Yeah, sure. It's been quite strange the last uh, week or two because we've been getting lots of um, emails through from Opta in terms of Premier League protocols. Um, everything's standardized across the Premier League, but then every club has got its own um, booklet about how things are done, how the ground's set out, who goes where. Um, the Saints booklet that came through to me is about 50-odd pages long. Oh. And, you, um, and there's also a questionnaire that you complete which actually before the lockdown, the last couple of games, I had to do a questionnaire uh, a few days before I went to the ground to say, did I have a cold? Did I have a temperature? Was I living within? Whereas this one, uh, we were told specifically we couldn't, we couldn't fill in the questionnaire until the day of the game. Okay. They wanted, they wanted you, your information right up to date. So but a few emails and, and things to sort out a few days before the game. Um, in terms of the ground, yeah, I actually uh, drove past the ground last week just to see what it looked like because it had been in the local paper. It's uh, um, 3.4 metre high, about 11 feet uh, high wall all the way around the ground. Um, Saints have put some um, banners and things on the front, but it's still a very grey, um, <laughs> very kind of military looking uh, barrier all the way around. And... Uh, those guys who are used to walking over the um, over the railway bridge and coming in at the northern end and walking down to that end, you, you're basically faced with this barrier and you have to walk all the way around the ground and it's just occasionally a small door that's padlocked up um, and the only possible opening really is where the car park is at the back of the northern stand, which is where we had to go in. Okay. So um, that one, one advantage was I got to park in the ground this time because they wanted everyone in the ground to oh, kind of okay. control, the, control the whole thing. So uh, basically, the, the kind of the way it was laid out, I've got to say the instructions were really clear in the way it was laid out. Um, we drove into the ground, temperature check through the car window, first of all, um, checked who you were off the list, drove in, had to put your mask on, face mask on as soon as you were through the gate, parked up, and then um, you had TV broadcasters going off into the north, back of the northern stand along the Kingsland, and the, the rest of us written press. Um, guys were round towards our normal press entrance, which if people know is just the left-hand side of their main reception, um, just past Ted Bates' statue, who's currently um, looking into a wall, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> um, and then uh, walked round to there, um, in another temperature check, as I um, went into the concourse um, under the stand, picked up two different passes telling me which zone I could go in. There's three zones you can possibly go in. One, for, one basically covers the players and officials, one covers the media, and another one covers people like uh, directors and um, scouts, people from the club who are up in uh, the hospitality boxes. And then um, where I normally go into the press box in the itching side, um, because we're all spaced out, um, you've got to have two metres every direction around you. Um, the one you'd normally get becomes full death. So um, some of us were put on the other side. So I actually saw the, for the first time, I saw the um, game from the TV camera side right. on the Kingsland side. So yeah, so I was up, I could actually hear this, the, um, the TV commentators a few feet to my right um, up there. That may- and, uh, 
Sorry, did that make your job harder or easier? Because you have somebody um, else that's maybe saying something different than, than what you need to communicate. Well, that's not too bad because I, I've actually got noise-canceling headphones okay. over the top of my in-ear headphones, which shuts most of the stuff out. And I thought yesterday, I won't, I won't take the noise-canceling. It's just going to be like doing an under-23 game. But actually, the music's still playing. Uh, this, the PA, um, John Weeks, the PA announcer, is still there doing his job. Um, so I kept my um, noise-canceling headphones. So that wasn't a problem near me. Uh, the one, say the one thing, one issue for me that was a little bit harder at St Mary's is normally I can see people getting off the bench and see their numbers and the spot substitute straight away. I can give the guys at Optra a heads up on that. But I was obviously looking from a, you know, 60 yards away this time and trying to spot numbers on shorts if um, I couldn't spot the face. And obviously at the moment we've got five substitutions. Yeah. Uh, and so, so there's the, uh, Manchester United the other night, I think made five in a minute at one point. Yeah. So so you're kind of waiting, second half especially, you're waiting to, um, I thought my pen would probably burn up at some point. Yeah. As um, all these substitutes lined up. So that was the only thing really was the, the spotting um, the movement on the bench. Yeah. But, um, obviously getting, getting used to the angle is the angle that you'd normally see on the TV. But sure. it, yeah, it was strange. It was strange, but still had the music. Um, we've got quite used here. People were kind of, uh, one way or the other, with the crowd noise on the TV that sure. put on pumps through. I quite like the crowd noise. Okay, but obviously, when you're in the ground, you get no crowd noise. Yeah, so no, it's, uh, it's almost yeah, so, like so John's John's not playing the crowd noise through the through the PA. No, he's not. No, I I could hear one of the TV guys talking about the crowd noise up on the TV gantry where the cameras are, but um, no, you don't hear any crowd noise in the ground. It's only um, on some of the channels here, you can select a channel where you get the crowd noise, or you can go to another one, or through a red button where you can go to one where you don't get the crowd noise. Yeah. And there's a that's a bit of a debate at the moment, whether people like the crowd noise or not. Sure. Here, yeah. if it's on normal television, if it's on NBC, the normal channel, you can select yeah. either enhanced, which is crowd noise, or natural. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, that's a debate that other people will have about other things. But um, that is, uh, I, I don't... I don't know if I care. I don't know if I'm paying that much of attention to, to that. Um, I can say that the Bundesliga seems to be a little bit better about when the crowd noise comes in in terms of yeah. it's not so yeah, delayed. Um, yeah. And it seems to be more appropriate. There is a, a frustrated yell when, when the ball hits the wrong side of the post versus uh, not just the same four sounds over and over. But it doesn't matter. Like it, no. At the end of the day, we're watching football and that's, that's really what, what it is. Um, the match itself... I mean, we, we kind of talked a little bit. We were a little bit uh, excited about, about it going, going into it. But, um, I mean, the lineup, is there any surprise for you given how the last game played out that, that this match we started with the, the exact same lineup uh, in terms of uh, the starting 11? Um, not really. I think because of the way the result went, the way the game went in Norwich, um, I think the only thing that would have dictated changes would have been injuries and, and maybe a bit of fatigue that first game I think Saints haven't really got into a run of lots of games in quick time obviously this weekend there's quite a quick turnaround to the Watford game some teams here have got games on a three and six days three and seven days and you see a bit of movement in the squads Arsenal have played that's three three games they've played now so um, they changed their team around a little bit but um, wasn't really surprised to see uh, the same 11 come out the Saints, and I, I didn't think anyone played themselves out of the team at, um, at Carrow Road. 
But um, I think a few people may have played themselves out of the team at St. Mary's last night. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, we, we should say you know, the 200th appearance, a club appearance for Ryan Bertrand. Um, so yeah. somebody who has been a fan favorite, then maybe taken a step back, been captain for a while, um, done some some uh, classic time wasting, uh, and, and told us and all he was doing it. Yeah. And then uh, you know, I think this year, this the, you know, this the second part of this season, he's been he's been really consistent and really good, and it's that's great because there's nobody to to back him up in in the team at this point. Um, and I think his leadership in terms of some of the other things and in terms of community involvement and things like that has been really, really good for some of these younger guys to, to see. Um, but I, I don't think that's the talking point, though. I think the talking point is the other side of the defense. Uh, Valerie, I think for the second game, he, 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 who scored gave him quite a high rating, um, like seven and a half or something like that, 7.6 uh, wow. for the Norwich match. But yeah. that, that be, is because we kept a clean sheet and he was good going forward. Yesterday, his passing percentage, his completion percentage was low 60s and only second to, to Michael Obafemi, who also got hauled up at halftime. So um, yeah. I, I think, I mean, f- from your perspective, I know you have a job to do during the match, but did he stand out to you as being something that, that wasn't playing well yesterday? I just thought he looked really tentative. He looked frightened at times. Um, I think also that, to be fair to um, Kyle Walker-Peters, when he came on, he looked more proactive and that made Valerie's performance look worse. Right. Um, I think from what you say about the Norwich game, if you if you get a team who wins 3-0 and are fairly comfortable, you're probably going to have to come up with a pretty poor performance to be rated at a 5 or a 6. Right. Most players will end up at a 6 and a half, 7 or 8. So um, I thought he did okay at Norwich the other night. Um, and it was, a, it was a good team performance all around. And obviously, there were there's, for me, there were some standout players at Norwich. You know, lots of Redmond, Armstrong, Ings. But um, last night, Valerie, he was up against Pakao Saka, who's quite lively. Um, Kieran Tierney, who's starting to become a better player. Yeah. And um, a lot of, I know a lot of people in Scotland rate him highly and think he could start to get on the, um, the coattails of Andy Robinson, that, Andy Robinson at some point right. um, for Scotland. Um, so I think he had some difficult um, opposition on that side of the pitch. And it and it told, and he, he didn't in that case he couldn't push forward really. Right. Um, and when he did come forward, he, he quite often checked back. A lot of times they checked back, and in the second half, Walker Peters did it, but he got to more advanced positions. They stopped, they checked back, and then got um, Ward Prowse to swing it in right. from the from the edge of the penalty area. But yeah, Valerie just looked a bit tentative. Um, but as I say, I think Walker Peters took advantage of that and probably made him look a little bit worse as well because he looked a little bit more lively when he came on. Yeah, and, and I think one more thing to remember probably too is is that first, in the first half, we didn't play particularly well. Um, but Ralph is, of course, going to be, and, and the rest of the coaches are going to be talking to Kyle Walker-Peters, who they probably made that decision 35, 40 minutes in. You're going into the second yeah. half. Here's what we need you to do. Here are the changes we need to make. Yeah. it's quite possible that if you put Valerie in that some of those changes happen anyway, but, but Walker Peters did look uh, pretty good on the ball. He looked more confident. Um, he's also a Spurs player playing against Arsenal. So maybe you expect that a little bit. Um, a bit sensitive, yeah. But um, th- one of the other things is Aubameyang tended to make those runs off of that side. He was getting in behind Stevens in that space that was vacated by Valerie. Um, and, and that's one of the other things is I, I think since we came back from the break and I could be completely wrong, but I'm, I thought that since Stevens was in the team, 
that Bednarak had been playing on the right side and Stevens on the left, and I think they've switched. Um, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but I, it looked like like Stevens was playing on the right side of defense yesterday. Um, yeah, he was. Which I'm not sure. I don't think that accounts for any of the mistakes or anything or any of the problems that we had. But um, it's just something that I noticed, and I don't know why that switch was made. Maybe it's to accommodate for Valerie. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if you've noticed that or care or, or anything else. Yeah, I mean the the thing with Stevens, he's he is the defender who will come out and play. He will bring it out, and he did it a couple of times against Norwich, and he can do it really well. But we've we've obviously seen in the past where he's done it and overplayed a little bit and lost the ball in the middle of the pitch. Um, so, yeah, you're right. Stevens was the right-sided uh, central defender. Bednarek was the left-sided central defender. Um, and it, just looking at the... I'm looking down at the Arsenal starting lineup and the four forward players, um, the most forward players, so Saka, um, Nketiah, Pepe and Aubameyang, at times, um, it did look like they were almost man-marking our back four mm-hmm. and, because they were pressing so well which is the sort of game that Ralph would like to play. Right. But Arsenal outpressed out us at our own game, really, and almost matched up as the, their keeper got the ball. It almost looked like they were marking our back four. Yeah. And, and so people like Stevens couldn't come out to the ball. They just had to sit in that back four. Yeah. And, um, and as soon as the ball was high up the pitch and we didn't win, it, didn't win the second ball, then they could play in behind us. So um, I think just going back to the, the fullback point, uh, Matt, you said that, Walker Peters and you know Ralph preparing him for the second half. I think the, the side of pitch they were on, Valerie would have had the coaching staff talking to him through that first half. Okay, but whether that was an advantage or a disadvantage to him, then who knows? Yeah, yeah, it's you know Valerie. And we have to remember too, Valerie's a young player. He's been out of the yeah. team. You know, he he hasn't really been around virus um, and everything else. Um, and he's going to take time. And, and I think this is one of those things where if we're going to have players come through the academy, very few of them are going to step straight into that first team and be consistent sevens, right? Like they're, they're going to yeah. take time. They're going to make mistakes. Yeah. And, and it's, it's definitely clear that, that Valerie is more comfortable going forward than he is defending. And yeah. it, it's just one of those things where uh, you look at the team and we're maybe just not quite good enough to overcome the, the individual mistakes. And when we give away a goal, like we did, all of a sudden the pressure becomes all that much more, even with no fans in the stadium, it just, that pressure is going to mount and, and some players just aren't, aren't ready for it or don't, don't adjust to it well uh, in the moment. And we'll have to see kind of, kind of how it goes, but let's, let's talk about the goals because um, you know, there were periods of the game, (laughs) there were periods of the game where, where Arsenal were definitely the better team. There were periods of the game, I think large, large periods where we looked the better team. Um, And, and in much the way that we, we played against Norwich, there were periods where we looked really good, but I wouldn't say we completely dominated. You know, there were they had chances in, in that match as well. They just didn't take advantage. Um, here, I think when when Hoiberg makes that pass to Valerie, uh, no Hoy Hoiberg to Bednarek. Bednarek. Bednarek okay. was just on the left wing and right. got it back from Hoiberg and then gave it back to McCarthy. And McCarthy, one of his options would have been to go square back to Bednarek. Right. But he didn't take that option. Yeah. So, so, so that that pass from Hoiberg to Bednarak, um, I thought the ball could have gone either directly back to Bednarak, or sorry, yeah. directly back to Hoiberg, and Hoiberg could have turned. Um, but I just, I, I didn't like. I didn't. I, I think you could see it coming. As soon as the ball goes back to McCarthy, you just think like there's not enough time there. It's 
Well, but maybe I'm wrong because I think McCarthy did have time to to do it. So I don't know what I think. I want to blame it on somebody, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure who to blame it on. I I think he had time. I was on that side of when he got the ball from Bednarek. He had time to either open out his body and take it right, or um, I think a safer or a less risky pass would have been square back to Bednarek. And the, if Inketia had got a foot to it, it would have skewed off towards the corner somewhere. Yeah. And Bednarek could have turned and defended it. The problem was he, he kind of started to open his body and then tried to play the, the straighter pass. Yeah. And it literally hit Inketia straight on. And that's why it had so much power. It almost bounced straight into the net. He just had to finish it off from three yards. Yeah. So uh, personally, I think it would have been square to Bednarek or uh, at the absolute last resort, Rose Ed, which um, could have been somewhere near me. Yeah, and and that's okay. Sometimes it's yeah. just, it's if in doubt, kick it out. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I think if there's a if there's a large crowd there, and we we've done that three or four times, there people would get on on his case. But yeah. that was just one of those things where if you're going to play it out from the back, there are going to be mistakes. Um, and, and I guess what I was trying to make, I made a, a poor job of I did a poor job of making the point earlier is I I think we could have prevented it going all the way back to the keeper initially, but once it gets to McCarthy. You know, if you make a mistake beforehand, maybe getting the ball to him in the first place, then you have to still be good enough to to just do the right thing with the ball and not not bounce yeah. it off the off the defender or off the of the attacking player. But you know, this is this is one of those things that Danny Ings has been so good at. We've praised him for for pressing down or for for closing down and pressing teams. And uh, you know, it, once it wasn't was a foot race between um, you know McCarthy and whoever other than Vestergaard, uh, McCarthy's going to lose that. So. Uh, and, and there it went and, and there yeah. it won nothing. And so be it. And, you know, kind of, you know, I saw a lot of people getting on McCarthy yesterday. It seemed like Ralph t- had his back right straight away after the match, yeah. which I think is probably the right move because you know, things are going to happen. Um, and, and I think last week and, and in other matches this season, he's been great and he's, he's made saves, which is, which is his job, but uh, mistakes are, are going to happen. It's just, uh, you know, I think it's more exposed when you're the goalkeeper because if you make a mistake, it leads to a goal. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, a player can, a forward can miss a penalty, a, a forward can miss one from four yards, and there's not people screaming for them to be dropped immediately. Mm-hmm. Whereas a goalkeeper can make a mistake like McCarthy did last night, and immediately people think he's not the man for us. But I, I also think that in terms of the way the ball was being played um, back to McCarthy, it seems it's to be a modern football thing, especially with the way Ralph is trying to play is that if it doesn't work, trying to get the ball down the left and we go back round and reset and start again from the keeper, the natural thought is, well, we've tried it down the left, we've pulled them across, let's go right this time. And maybe McCarthy, I think, was in that sort of mind that, well, I've tried, we've tried the left side to start the play, let's go right. But as he made that decision, he, he just didn't, just didn't, he didn't get it right. And, and also in Ketia... To, to his credit, was right on top of him at the time. And that's why it should have gone to Bednarek or into touch. Right. But he decided to play the positive pass that turned out to be the um, da- disaster pass. <laughs> um, and, and then I would say that, you know, after that, into the second half, we, we looked a little bit better. We were pressing forward. We just couldn't really create that final, same story with Saints really, we couldn't create the final pass, the, the final chance. You look at our XG, there weren't, big chances that we had you know we had shots no. but nothing nothing that was so you know th- there wasn't that marquee miss that that sometimes we we would have um and and so you know that's what it is and then they go down and score the second um yeah i'm not sure where that pass is going or why it's being played 
or or what but from your perspective was that was that on the opposite side of the stadium from you or was that um that was on the opposite side correct yeah hoy bear was he's more towards the right so he was on my side of the stadium as i looked at it and it ended up fairly central because stevens was basically charging down the middle trying to um keep up with um abamian uh-huh and kind of seemed to get his legs in the right place but just didn't connect with the ball at all um and ended up taking him down and um i think the um problem there was again it was it was just a uh, I'd, I'd made a note that it just wouldn't weren't crisp enough with their passes not just hoybier right but some of the others weren't, weren't crisp enough or got the ball and weren't confident enough some nice little triangles in there or Prowse, Armstrong, Redmond occasionally got the ball, thought, looked like he was going to dart in and out and run, took on one and then knocked it off. So it, I don't know, it just seemed strange after the Norwich game, but as if that confidence had been sucked out. Yeah. The crowd, obviously there was no, no crowd to blame it on. Um, so, yeah, obviously any mistake from Hoybier and people will start to get onto him as well now because of the whole transfer captaincy taken away situation as well yeah but um but yeah it was a it was a it was a poor decision but um on that one pass but the previous one i think you can you can kind of forgive him the first one with the first goal because they could have still got out of that situation right but i just think he la- he did land stevens right in it and of course that was a sending off and then we ended up with a free kick and from the free kick we ended up with a goal yeah but um it was a it's almost a comedy of errors after that yeah, but it just seemed the whole thing had gone flat with the team at that point. Yeah, um, yeah. and that we'd uh, we'd made two two substitutions at half time, which seemed to be the obvious ones: uh, Valerie off and um, Walker Peters on, Ogbefemi off, Long on to kind of chase the ball down the channels a bit. I was just looking at my notes, and um, we had three corners um, by the first drinks break in the second half, mm-hmm. so we we were putting some pressure on there. Yeah. And you know it was ha- it was starting to happen a bit, and um, things things were starting to happen for us. And Long had the shot. Uh, sorry, um, Revan had the shot into the um, side, side netting. Yeah. Long had the shot that was saved as well. And actually thinking about Arsenal's chances, although they played well, um, other than the um, Abamyang shot against the bar that a bizarre angles took out for a goal kick. Yeah, um, I can't really think of a, a really clear chance and the save that McCarthy had to make. Yeah. So if you kind of take out those, uh, that kind of tentative um, back passes and frailties from Southampton, it's a fairly even game overall. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that 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 Aubameyang chance that was given as a goal kick, they replayed yeah. it for us, and McCarthy got a touch. Um, he kind of span off the bar. Yeah. The angle was bizarre to work out how it span off. But, um, so my RTV coverage jumped about five seconds when Aubameyang entered the penalty area. And okay. so my friend and I were sitting there going like, I don't know what happened. And then it's out for a goal kick. And then it, they showed the replay and we were just sitting there going like, well, I really hope that doesn't happen again because that was a pretty crucial moment. You know, there were a lot of moments yeah. in that game where they could have skipped five seconds and I wouldn't have cared. Um, but that was one of those things where I didn't want that to happen. But um, yeah, maybe that's one of those things where if McCarthy doesn't just get the fingertip to it, maybe it's a goal anyway. And then, and then yeah. maybe we, you know, so, so maybe he, he was owed one uh, anyway, but you know, um, the truth is these games are going to come fast. By the time people hear this, we will have played uh, against Watford as well. Um, yep. I guess we can only hope that, that 
you know, the, I guess the mentality changes a little bit that, that you guys kind of like go, okay, these are the things we did well. These are the things we need to improve on. Um, they're probably having a recovery day today. They're probably yeah. off tomorrow. Maybe they're in for a little bit and then they're, they're back playing on Sunday. So that's, uh, there's no time to dwell on this that we lost a match and we move on. I suppose um, one, one positive from the, the game coming up on Sunday, it's not too far a trip to North London for Watford. It's not too far to go. So they will have plenty of time to recover and maybe just a, you know, a few uh, bits of loosening up and just work on the, the shape. And if he's going to make some changes going into that game, I suppose the, the two changes that were made at half time would be the obvious ones to make yeah. in the starting lineup for the next game because Walker Peters, um, I think, would be a, a good option to start with. And as we were saying earlier, we're talking about Valerie from going forward. I think Valerie would probably work better as a wing back with a five. Yeah. Whereas Walker Peters is more of a sitting in a four, but can bomb forward. Yeah. Um, and the other one, Long has got to play at Watford, hasn't he? Yeah. If he doesn't score in the first eight seconds, take him off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got five subs. We can, we can afford to do it. Um, yeah, exactly. You'd almost assume that that Danny Ings would probably play half of the match, maybe. Um, yeah. So maybe maybe it's Adams and Long up top, but you know this will we don't know, and um, there will have to be a, a center back change as well. But we'll have to kind of assess that, um, I guess, after that match, and we'll we'll see. Um, I guess we'll know exactly what the ambitions are if we just go full sale changes, you know, uh, then, yeah. then we'll know kind of where we're at. But um, I don't know. Any, any final thoughts on, on the Arsenal match or on the, your experience that day before we wrap this up? Um, it was obviously a strange one. It's completely different. Um, strange trying to get it. It's trying to look at the, look at the players and get my head around how they were thinking coming out. And there's no atmosphere to soak up. There's, there's the music. And there's the announcements, but then silence, uh-huh. really. So it's a strange atmosphere, but then again, it's the same for every team. So sure. um, um, I just wonder with that team, if it was a bit of fatigue from Friday night that kicked in, um, and if he, if he may make more changes than we think for Sunday. Just looking down at the bench, obviously in terms of uh, centre-back options, Vestergaard was the only um, centre-back on the bench um, yesterday. Mm-hmm. And in terms of if he does do any... Um, resting with Ings then Adams just had a short time on against Norwich didn't even come on last night and uh, again Teller is very inexperienced or looked quite lively came on at Norwich and um, did fairly well so um, I think it would it would be a case of starting Ings and trying to inch ahead in the game and then hopefully getting to a point like the Norwich game where you, you get to a point where you've got a point in the bag or even three points in the bag and try and seal things up. But yeah, um, yeah there's some work to be done. But I think um, in terms of staying positive, I think Ralph came out and said the right things in terms of McCarthy. I think you I, you can't change the keeper on one game. Yeah, no. And, um, I, so. I can go with that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and Arsenal, Arsenal will be happy to be back on track. Um, they didn't look like world beaters, but um, we kind of let them letting them in in our own backyard and uh, I'm sure we'll learn a lesson from that and, and Ralph will um, will build on that and uh, come back stronger. Yeah, well, I think uh, growing up, if you haven't been whipped in your own back garden, then, uh, you know, you, you haven't come of age. So, um, you know, I think that's just the way it goes. So uh, I would have preferred it didn't happen uh, against Arsenal, but that's just that's just it. So um, anyway, 
Uh, Chris, I want to say thanks again. Uh, I appreciate your insight. I appreciate just talking to you. Um, and uh, also thanks. You, you are now one of the, uh, the patrons. You're the newest patron um, along with Tim Bizant. So thank you for, for joining that. I, I really appreciate the support and uh, look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thanks, Matt. Always a pleasure. And that was Chris Hutchings, the in-ground opta analyst for Saints FC. Um, thanks to Chris for coming on the show and talking about, you know, kind of a disappointing match. But luckily, we have something else to talk about now. And we're going to head into the conversation with Jamie Grant, who runs the Southampton page on Twitter and Instagram. Um, but before we do that, I just wanted to take a second to say, if you enjoy the show, you may very much enjoy the newsletter that comes out every Friday. Uh, the podcast comes out each and every Tuesday. The newsletter comes out each and every Friday, um, 8.15 um, UK time. And um, you can sign up for it. It's very easy. Uh, you just go to southamptondelivery.com slash newsletter. Uh, the link is in the show notes. Uh, your name, your email, that's it. We will be in your inbox. Uh, we won't spam you. One email a week. And uh, hopefully it'll make you laugh. Hopefully it'll make you think. Um, and if not, then you can, you can unsubscribe. It's, it's really, really easy. So, uh, if you like the show, you may enjoy that. Uh, if you don't like the show, then I don't know why you're listening to me, but, um, anyway, let's go ahead and jump into the conversation with Jamie Grant. Thank you all for your support. We will talk to you on the other side. I'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, the official partner of the show, uh, Jay, who runs the Southampton page. You can find him on Twitter at Southampton page and on Instagram at Southampton page one. Uh, Jay, welcome back to the show. And, uh, you know, the, the listeners will have just listened to us talk about Arsenal and, and, and Chris Hutchings and I going through that game and not the most positive of manners. And then coming into this game, heavily rotated a three nil win. we actually scored all four goals. So good for us. Um, Chase still can't buy one and, uh, but here we are 40 points, um, you know, safety. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I, I, I'm smiling. You're smiling. I think, I think we're all good here. First of all, thanks for having us back on. It's good to be on even so late in the year, but there we go. That's what it is, what it is. But yeah, it was an interesting one. And I was, I was sort of, I'm an hour about this one. Cause I was, I was confident cause we were away from home and, Obviously, the results showed that. And yeah, and poor Adams, I mean, I was begging for him to, begging for him to score. I don't know what he can do. I don't know what he can do to score. He's literally, even Ralph was gutted for him. So it proves that everyone's literally waiting for Adams to get his goal somehow. I, I thought for sure he was in. Like he did, he picked up the ball, he got by the guy. I thought for sure it was in. And, and you could just see the keeper's touch just going wide. And it's just like, you can't win, kid. And then. Redmond drills the post right after that. Um, it would have been even worse for Che Adams had Redmond's ball hit the inside of the post and gone in and just gone like, well, sorry, man. Like, I hate, to, I, hate to, I, hate to, I hate to be that way, but that's just what it is. But, I mean, we got, we got a lot of good stuff to talk about. Um, coming out of the loss to Arsenal uh, on, on Thursday, you know, things were not super positive. Um, you know, we had the, the Hoiberg injury, which maybe people wanted him removed from the, the lineup anyway. Um, the Stevens red card, which meant we were going to have Vestergaard in, and there's all kinds of questions. Uh, Ralph made some changes today. Um, so were you surprised with the guys that actually wound up making the lineup? And we go with McCarthy, uh, Kyle Walker-Peters, Vestergaard, Bednarak, Bertrand across the back. Um, Smallbone makes a start. 
in place of Armstrong. Romeu comes in for uh, Hoiberg uh, next to Ward-Prowse, then Redmond, Long, and Ings. Um, any surprises there for you? Or were you pretty happy with how that how that worked out? I was happy to see Walker-Peters coming in because I was just I, wa- I wasn't happy with Valerie to display at all in the last few games. So it was great to see him. Vestergaard was expected, even though I was a bit um and ah about him because I was hoping maybe Danzo might have got a chance. But to be fair to Vestergaard, as much as everyone was giving him stick, including myself, he did quite well. And the rest of the team thought Smallbone was a good good addition. To, um, and Romeo was quite was his normal self. So yeah, I thought overall it was a pretty good lineup. Yeah, I was pretty excited or pretty happy with how yeah, I guess I, I was pretty excited and, and happy with how things kind of came came off. I mean, um, I was a little bit worried about Vestergaard, um, but I think I think it's just kind of ingrained to just fear the worst and then hope for the best. Um, I think many Southampton fans, many probably football fans all over the world, not go don't go into matches very optimistic. I think it's just the the, the way we are. But um, you know, really worried about Vestergaard and Vednerak, but Watford seemed to play right into our hands, just lumping the ball forward for Vestergaard and 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 Vednerak to to head the ball away. And I mean, to give them credit, between the two of them, nineteen aerials won today uh, by the center backs, which they just, I mean, and 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 you look at at Troy Deeney, and that's a guy who bosses people around for for most of of matches and things like that, and he's been known to do that. And we just didn't allow him to do it. He was constantly being knocked down on the ground and out jumped and um, just out muscled, which is not what I would normally associate our center backs with doing. Yeah, I mean, Vestergaard Vest- seemed to pretty much handle it, and Ben Rack did as well. I just, unfortunately, it was for Watford's benefit that uh, Ben Rack put it in for him. I mean, it's, I feel sorry for him, but we scored four good goals. So what can I say? Yeah, it was a great. It was a great touch. Um, and and. You know, even with that, his rating is still almost a seven for the match, and and he 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 played he played well today. I thought everybody played, you know, uh, relatively well. Um, but I do let, let's focus real quick on on Kyle Walker Peters because Valerie had a, a basically a match and a half since we've come back. Um, the first match, I would say defensively, he struggled. He was he looked he didn't look great on on the defensive half of the field. But as soon as you switch over to um, the other half, and so going forward, he he looks you know much more confident and much more comfortable with the ball at his feet um, forward. But he gets so far forward that he was leaving uh, uh, Stevens exposed, and and that that that's a, that's a problem I think for us. And then you flip that with with Kyle Walker Peters, who came in halfway through the, the the match against Arsenal, looked much more confident and much more comfortable on the ball uh, all over the pitch. Played some one twos, played some some exchanges and, and got up and down and, and defensively uh, I thought was a little bit better. Um, and then he starts today and just looks kind of great. I mean, I, I don't have any complaints about Kyle Walker Peters other than the fact that I'm not sure he's going to stick around uh, after the loan spell. Yeah. I mean, he, he just seems, I mean, I don't mean to be unfair, but he just seemed le- leveled above Valerie for me. He just seemed much more comfortable and he's, and he's he's used to the big games because he's done big games for Tottenham. And as for, I mean, if he keeps going on the way he's going, there is a possibility he might stay in the summer. Because if he keeps going the way he's, I don't know how much Spurs want for him in the summer, but if he keeps going the way he goes, I would definitely look at maybe bringing him back next season permanently. That's my that's my view on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to see how things go because he just hadn't really gotten a chance up until now, and now it seems late. 
Um, but if there's a chance and, and you never know if, if Hoiberg is going to leave and he goes to Spurs, maybe there's something there. I wouldn't, I'm not sure though that I would be, I think we'd have to get some cash for him too. I wouldn't be totally happy if we let Hoiberg go and just got Kyle Walker Peters in return. I would want, I would want some cash, um, there, but, um, you know, maybe that's not how it works. Maybe we just have to be happy that in, in the transfer market with uh, everything that's going on. Maybe that'll, that'll just wind up being fair overall, but I'm not, uh, I'm not in charge of that. So I guess I won't, I won't complain too much, um, about all of that, but, um, let's, let's, let's go through the match a little bit because I think, you know, that today is important because we're on 37 points. We're probably just about safe, but the 40 will make it kind of almost surely better. Um, and I mean, now we, we more points now this season than we've had the last two seasons and we still have, I think seven games left to play. Um, so, I mean, to you coming in today, like how, how important was this today? Or did you think that the team would show kind of, uh, all the things that they showed today? Well, being away from home, I don't know what it is. Someone needs to do an investigation on it or something, but the, the away form is absolutely mental from us. Home, the home, we just seem absolutely, it's like a di- we morph into a new team away from home. And to, to reach the 40 points for me is a massive thing. So I thought we were safe anyway. I looked at the table, 37 points. I think Bournemouth was on 27. I mean, 10 points, you would think that would have to take it. Now the 40, I think that pretty much puts us safe. And I think now, I mean, I'm not going to say it, just in case people say that I think we're going for Europe, but we could aim, I mean, we're four points. I thought I might be wrong, and you can check this for me after, but we're, I think we're four points behind Sheffield United, I think. I think it's four points. I'm yeah, we're four, four points off eighth place. Yeah. We're only five points off seventh. Um, That's what I mean. So what, um, mad what you can do if you get a couple of victories. I mean, Man City next. I mean, worst game ever. But <laughs> with the games you've got coming up, like, I think we've got likes of Brighton, Bournemouth, who I mentioned. And a couple, and obviously Sheffield United we've got coming up as well, Man United, Everton. So there's still some games there where we could pick up some more points. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we're closer to fifth than we are to 17th. Um, and so, I mean, we're, we're in a, a, like you said, it's crazy what can happen with just a, a couple of wins in quick succession. And you think about going back to the Arsenal game, like what that one more point would have done. And, and kind of, you start looking at the teams ahead of us now, and we could, you know, were if if we beat Arsenal, had we beaten Arsenal, we would have been above them in the table right now. We'd be sitting in ninth place, um, one point behind Sheffield United, who are struggling uh, at this moment, and right there behind Tottenham. And then you can say, okay, like see you later, Hoiberg, and enjoy enjoy seventh place and no Europe for you. Um, it's not you're not even in the Europa League, let alone and depending on the Man City thing. But it, you know, it's I don't know. I we we don't need to go there because we we're. I don't know. This is this is part of the reason I don't normally record directly after the game because thoughts are all over the place. I'm kind of the excitement's there, but I guess that's that's all good. Um, let, let's go through the game a little bit because I thought I thought the game started a little uh, frantic. It seemed like ball, you know, the, there there were tackles going in and the ball was kind of pinging all over the place. But Watford never really got settled. Um, I was a little bit worried maybe about the right side of our of our our team just because you have Smallbone and Kyle Walker Peters over there uh, together, but I thought they coped really, really well. Uh, I thought one of the things with the, the lineup was Benderak switched back to the right side of defense, which he had been playing on the left side in the last, since we came back from the break, which I thought was something new. Um, and you just worry about Vestergaard's pace, but once again, they kind of, uh, Watford kind of let us off the hook with 
with everything there. But uh, I thought Walker Peters, again, played well. Uh, there were a couple of um, times he picked up the ball and ran deep into the Watford territory and, um, you know, just put the pressure on them. Um, and then I want to say, you know, we wind up inside or running around 15 minutes with, with Ings's goal, the first goal. Um, you can see him. He's, he was dropping a little bit deeper and long was playing up top, uh, kind of trying to hold the ball up or flick it on or whatever. Uh, and, and Ings was coming back and playing uh, challenging defensively or coming a little deeper to pick up the ball. And, and you can see the ball played into him from, from Smallbone. I think actually gets the assist for this. And the first touch is great on the run. And then the finish is just so calm and not, you know, he didn't, it wasn't absolutely drilled from outside the area. Um, it was just kind of placed into the corner, bent into the corner. Um, no chance for Foster to get it. And, and finally, you know, Ings, uh, things he hasn't done most of the season, uh, hasn't scored more than once in a game. Um, he had done it against Villa uh, in, the, in the league and, and then again against Portsmouth, but um, doesn't, doesn't do it all that often. Scored most of his goals from inside the box, but managed to do uh, score one from outside the area today. Um, just a really impressive finish. And I thought that, that to that point, that was how the game should have gone. We were definitely the better team. We were more comfortable and Ings just kind of did it like it was shooting practice. Yeah, and, and Danny Ings, you don't need to give him a, a sniff. He he knew, and he just he just shows why he's one. Why well, he is the reason why we have managed to do so well away from home. And he just seems to sniff any chance that or any defense that are a bit shaky. He's always there, and he's and I said Smallbone did quite well to help to assist for the goal and. I said Ings is now one behind Jamie Vardy, and I think Jamie Vardy might be having some sleepless nights the next uh, few games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, can you imagine what would happen? What what will happen, and what the feeling will be like if Danny Ings <laughs> wins the Golden Boot? I mean, it's just it's one of those things that you know we we probably shouldn't be talking about Europe. We shouldn't be talking about winning the Golden Boot. We shouldn't be talking about any of those things because just a couple of months ago, you know, we were dwelling. I mean, last time we played Watford, we were we were fighting them for the bottom of the table. Um, and, and we've come, you can see how far the team has come since then. And, and honestly, the, the, the quality that was in the squad today to be able to make the changes and make up for the injuries and everything else, um, the team didn't look like they had, they missed anything. They look like they were all like the philosophy that Ralph wants is, is there and, and has been instilled and the guys seem to get it. And maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves again. And maybe next time when we play against City, uh, it'll all go out the window and we'll be back to, to complaining again. But uh, for today, I think super, super uh, impressed with everything that happened. Yeah. And obviously Man City will be a totally different uh, kettle of fish. And we're, we, at least we've got a little bit longer to prepare for that one. But yeah, no, today was just, I thought even the substitutes were good. Um, I said Armstrong coming on at a good time. Smallbone, who I thought played well, come, come off for him and, Armstrong done as usual, and then Adams come on for came on for Shane Long, and not, like as we said about him nearly scoring, so it was it was all good. And, and I said it's good to have subs on the bench that you can rely on. So we know what Armstrong can do, and on and Adams as well. We know what he can do. Obviously, he's still waiting for his goal, but he still works really hard, and that, and everyone just wants him to score. And yeah. hopefully, we can see that. Well, <laughs> and again, you know, uh, no Buffal, no Janepo, um, you know the the guys that were in and around the team that came into the game, they all had an impact. I thought Adams, we looked because Watford come out of halftime. You know, we go into halftime up one nothing. Uh we looked the much better team, but Watford started the second half brightly. They 
there was definitely probably uh, it probably wasn't an uplifting team talk uh, from Nigel Pearson for them. Um, I can imagine quite a few guys would have um, you know been drilled in the locker room at, at halftime, and rightly so because they looked flat. They looked um, you know they just got outworked by everybody on our team. Their, their midfield was chasing the ball, um, and and we we don't associate Romeo with you know. Uh, making people chase the ball. We associate with, anyway, with crushing people when they get it. Um, but between him and James Ward-Prowse, they, they completely controlled the midfield for the first half. But Watford come out and play and start much better. Um, you know, at that point, we're only up one nothing, and it's kind of like, man, like, can we just get the ball clear? They, they, there were a couple of chances where, you know, uh, I think even going back to the first half, uh, Ward-Prowse, you know, uh, blocked a shot with uh, his sh- shoulder face area. Um, but in the second half, there was a couple of times where the ball was in the penalty area and McCarthy makes a save and, um, or maybe just the ball is blocked and it's just like, I just want it clear. I want it out of there. And I was a little bit worried because of, we, we've seen saints be so frail. And so I guess just, uh, susceptible to having the ball go in and then uh, kind of falling apart. Um, but before that happens, uh, you, you know, Danny Ings takes advantage of a, of a goalkeeping mistake from Ben Foster, uh, drives in finds the corner uh, and we're up to nothing. And then at that point it looked like, you know, we were just cruising and, and again, uh, up to nothing that that feeling is a good feeling. I think uh, as we, as we look at, at, at going forward for the rest of the season. And to be fair, I was, I was tweeting at the time of when it was one nil and I thought if we can get the half time, maybe the second that would have helped. But I always think we're saying, we always need that second just to help us. And, Luckily, we did get the second, and then when that obviously Bednarak helped them out, we'll, we'll say it was obviously two one. So it was always that two 0 leads, always one of them with us, but we managed to see it through this time. Yeah, yeah, and and that was a uh, a, a nervy couple of moments because we I, I felt like most of the pressure had gone off at that point, um, and they looked to make a change, and and you wonder, you know we had done so well with Dini between Bednarak and Vestergaard, just kind of starving him of really important touches. You look at where we're susceptible. Uh, if you can isolate Vestergaard, and I think there was only maybe one time that Saar got one-on-one with Vestergaard and he chose to cross it early, which I thought was a poor decision from him. I think that's the point when you just drive right at him and, and, and run by him basically, because there's no way he's keeping up with them. I thought other than that, that Bertrand did really well containing Saar on that, on that left-hand side. Um, and, and I don't know, I I thought, I thought the game plan worked out well, but as soon as that ball goes in, you kind of start to worry that, you know, I I don't know, like normal saints put the ball back down in the middle of the field, give it away right away and have them score again. And it's Watford. And you think back to all the times we've had with Watford, um, all the the battles we've had with him recently where there have been late goals and. Uh, there was the Kapu handball goal. There were a couple of other late goals that have happened. And it's one of those things where you just don't, you, you just wonder if it's going to happen again. Um, fans or no fans, it doesn't matter. But uh, the response this time from Saints was to go down, win a free kick. And then James Ward-Prowse, I mean, there was, there was no chance he wasn't shooting. And it was just, it was just absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And I, and I, I said, I was, it's not the same group chat we're in, but I was in a group chat and I said today, James Ward-Prowse, will score a free kick. I don't know what it was. I just had to fix it. I remember his goal against Watford for the free kick. And I knew as soon as he laid the ball down, it was going in because 
I, I, you know, when you see him put it down, and you just get that that sight, and you just see it happening before your own eyes. And as soon as you put it, I mean, the free kick was unbelievable. And there was no way. I mean, Ben Foster's positioning, you could question a little bit, but let's be honest, we was in, in the right place. There was no way you getting that. No, I mean, that's where you're just relying on the wall and hoping the wall does its job. And Ward Prowse, I mean, to get it up and down from there, it's it's a good distance, but just found the corner. And there's, like you said, there's, there's almost no, nothing that Foster can do about that. But, um, you know, just like to also was pointed out in, in one of the group chats that I was in with the, the patron members that, um, you know, Che Adams is the one who wins that free kick. And when he came on, um, I believe for long, he, he was great. He really did, um, you know, show himself to, to, to be the player he is. And he did everything but score, which is what we so often associate Shane Long with as well. Um, but, but he, he put himself about and made those 11 minutes really worth his time on the pitch because I thought, uh, he, he really just, just, uh, inserted himself into the game, which is what we need. If you're going to come off the bench, uh, especially just after, you know, we give away an own goal and we needed to go and, um, you know, make things right. Yeah. And he, and he did really, I thought he did really well. He, he, he done what Ralph wanted. He went on there. And and with the goal, I said Ben Foster. I mean, I'm sure he had a little word with him at the end, but um, but no, he he literally did everything possible. And he and I always think he does. When he gets a chance, always works hard. I don't think there's he can't lack his effort. It's just literally the one thing that people want him to do. He's not doing, but he is. It's not like he's not trying. Do you know what I mean? He's putting the effort in to do that. It's just not happening for him. He's just very unlucky. That's the best way to put it. Yeah, and unfortunately for him, he had the second best chance of the entire match for us, according to to XG. Um, only Ward Prowse had a better chance, and that was early on in the game when he just uh, went high. Uh, when Romeo did well to kind of dink that ball into him, and 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 Ward Prowse just couldn't get the ball to come down. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, once again, Adams does it does it all except for score, and so you just kind of say, well, all right, man, like you know, keep it up, and eventually. The ball has to go in. I don't know if it'll be this season. Um, I don't know if it'll be next season. Uh, we can only kind of kind of wait and see. But um, I wanted to ask you, what other moments kind of stood out for you? What other players stood out for you today? Because I think we've we've touched on on Kyle Walker Peters. We've touched on the the center back pairing who who kept Troy Deeney quiet. Uh, Watford have also been plagued by a couple of things. They had a couple of players um, attend a birthday party or have a birthday party, which meant they had to be. Uh, quarantined and weren't available that, that, that their team seems like a complete disaster but I don't want to take anything away from the performance that our team had today because I thought Saints went out and executed the game plan and put in the effort put in the tackles um, did the little things right and gave Danny Ings the chance to win us the game or gave James Ward Prowse the chance to, to win us the game and I think if we do that more often than not we'll be fine um, and I just wonder, you know, kind of why, why, why don't we do that more often? I guess going back to your point of other players, I mean, the one player that would feel probably much better about himself would be Alex McCarthy. So there was a lot of questions on him after the Arsenal display. I thought he was much better today. He didn't seem to. I was slightly worried when he had the ball that he was slowing down a little bit, but he managed to boot it out. So I think Alex McCarthy would be kind of. He's probably gutted that he didn't get the clean sheet, but generally he can be pleased with himself. And thinking about him, I think. Yeah, I mean, Ward Prowse, I said, was okay. Well, obviously, with a free kick. Romay was quite solid. Small bone. And to be fair, as much as I don't mean to say this, but if, if Hoiberg doesn't get back to fit, I'd be, I'd, I think he, he would struggle to get back into the team, even if he does stay or go. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it might be difficult then to break this team up since you know a lot of managers don't like to to change the winning team. Um, I probably would keep Smallbone off and, and, and allow Armstrong to come back on, assuming his fitness will allow him to do that. Um, but I think, I think that the, the rest of the team probably has to stay. And I don't know what you do now with Vestergaard. Uh, do you just keep Stevens out? Somebody who's, who's been so good, uh, since, um, I would say the nine nil, um, has, has, has really established himself. And, uh, do you, do you, when he's eligible to return, do you bring him back or do you, do you sit Vestergaard down and say thanks, but no thanks. And, uh, really, I just kind of hope, uh, Leicester city were watching today. Um, because that looks like a 30 million pound defender to me. Um, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that. <laughs> well, yeah, I hope the Leicester scouts were watching that, but it's a, it's a tricky one because the critics would say, well, you wasn't going to do well, but then he come in and done well. Stevens has been quite, what's the word, formidable under Ralph. So it's a tough one. And he's not the only player to come back that leaves the questions. Obviously, Gineppo is back from his band as well. So what does that mean for him? Because, he may well start on the bench, which gives us another option. But yeah, I mean, Man City's going to be a different kettle of fish for Vestergaard. I mean, depending on who they play, I think Aguero's out injured. So I don't know. Who, I think it's Jesus, Jesus. probably. Jesus. I was, yeah, I'll call him Jesus. I don't know what they call him. I've heard so many different names. I don't want to but, call him Jesus. Um, yeah, I'll call him Jesus. Yeah. He's not going to save us. No. <laughs> so it's a tough one, but I think Ralph may possibly... I've put him in the shop window and thought, like you said, maybe a nice little 30 million from Leicester in the summer and Stevens may come back in because I said Leicester, uh, Leicester. Man City's a different kettle of fish. So yeah, it's a quite a debatable one on that. But yeah. Yeah, and, and you wonder what uh, Man City will look like coming off of, because they have to play Liverpool first. So you wonder the title's gone. Um, they're not going to lose their Champions League spot. Um, so do they kind of take their foot off the gas a little bit? Do they Does Pep play the kids? Like, we'll have to wait and see. It's too, it's too soon to tell because they have another match to play before that and, and, and everything else. So we'll, we'll wait and see. But, um, I mean, I don't, I just feel really good about the team and I, I feel like I'm kind of, you know, uh, contradicting myself a little bit because I, I tried to say in the newsletter and then even during the Arsenal chat with Chris earlier, um, just saying, you know, the we need to be, calm and level-headed and and you know what i don't want to say we can't enjoy this but you know this type of performance we're not going to play watford every week we're, we're going to play teams like city and like arsenal who are even just that much better and that that force us to, to they, they, they punish us for the mistakes that we make whereas today we did that to them when foster gave the ball away we made sure that we scored from that ings ings took advantage of that when um they gave away a foul right on the edge of the area. Ward Prowse punished them for it, and that's the stuff we have to do if we're gonna if we're gonna continue to move forward. And uh, you know, I only hope that uh, we can just continue this momentum and you know track Everton down, finish ahead of Burnley and Crystal Palace, and then all of a sudden you're inside the top ten, which is full of teams that have been really good all season, and we're somehow just right there with them after what I would say was a pretty crap part of the year. And to be fair, I think you, I don't know. I mean, someone might correct me on this, but I don't think you'd have many seasons, let's say we finish in the top 10, to be a team that lost 9-0 at home. I don't like to mention it, and I, it's an irritable thing to say. But anyway, just go, it's just backs up my fact. For a team to lose 9-0 like we did, to have the season that we did, and to end in the top 10 with that on our back would be, I think, quite formidable, really. And even if we didn't get, I'm not saying we're finished 8th or whatever, but just to finish where we 
would finish now and with everything that's gone on, you would pretty start, pretty much say what a season in the end, obviously. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. There, there would be no... Um, you'd look at it all and you'd say, you know, good on the, the team for sticking with Ralph, good on Ralph for sticking with the team and believing in the players um, and and just continuing forward knowing that the the plan is there and the the ideas are there and we just have to have to keep moving towards that. And I think that really helps when you know that you're going to be able to take the time to, I guess, to make the mistakes and work with the players and instill the philosophy because the philosophy will outlast the different parts that are going to come in and out. We're going to lose players that want to go play elsewhere and we're going to lose, you know, coaches and we're going to lose matches and we're going to make mistakes, but you keep moving forward. And I, and I think I, I hate to bring up Liverpool here, but we, if you look at the way they went about it, they, they, they have that philosophy and they stuck with it from day one. They, they didn't win right away, but they never kind of wavered from this idea that they have an end goal and they're going to work towards that goal and they're all on the same page. And I think that's how you do it. That's how, that's how a club like Southampton, they're going to be successful and build towards Europe. It's not going to be a one-off year where we just get really lucky. It's going to be, um, having that philosophy and sticking with that philosophy and bringing in the players that will that can play in that system and that will fulfill that and and having a guy like Ralph where we'll give him the chance to do that and I think we've seen what it can do in terms of you know I don't think any of us would have said uh, you know the the we have a better chance of finishing now in the top ten than than you know in October there was no there was nobody saying that there there they would say we'll be lucky if they stay up and they probably should go down and. Um, I don't know. It's just been a, it's been, it's been a one roller coaster of a year. If you look on, on transfer mark, you can see the, the, you know, all the way up to, I think 10th at some point uh, early in the season when we beat Sheffield United and then just the drastic decline down into the relegation zone. And then the slow kind of climb uh, in and out of there. And finally now up to, up to 13th, which is, um, you know, I don't want to say it's where we belong, but I think a lot of us said somewhere between 11th and 14th would have been fine for the season. Uh, and we're there now, and we have the the chance to go forward and and continue to to improve. So, uh, I don't know. A long rambling answer, but I'm just really happy, and I think that's fine. Yeah, and I and one thing I will add though, just to make pe- people feel slightly better about Liverpool's title win, we did something that Liverpool couldn't do at Watford and win. So, <laughs> I take that to the, and which is true, isn't it? So, yeah. I mean, say that. I'm not saying that's a title win for us by any means, but we did something that Liverpool couldn't do at Watford. So yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, no, we don't, we don't have trophies like Bournemouth where they went at St. Mary's and they, they, put, <laughs> they put it in the cabinet. So um, yeah, right. that's all right. I mean, we have, we have a couple of matches that, that, you know, we can all look forward to now. Um, we can hope kind of that things go well going forward, but uh, a, a full week now off until we, we play Man City. Uh, we have Everton midweek. Um, then, then United coming up shortly after that, Brighton, Bournemouth, uh, on the 18th of July and then finish up with Sheffield United on the 26th. So, um, you know, the, the, I I think it was good that, that Watford came so soon after Arsenal because it just gave us a chance to just forget about it and just play the game and, you know, not an easy run of fixtures, but if you, you know, assume we don't get anything from city. Uh, still probably have the chance to to overtake Everton depending on how they play out from here um, when when we do that. And that's, I think, one of those things where um, the motivation will be there. It'll be two 
you know, uh, middle of the table clubs and, you know, with the chance to just jump them in the place by beating them, I think is, is something that I can, I, I can get behind and look forward to, but, uh, we'll, we'll take care of that when, when we get there. But, um, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this up? I know it's already going to be a slightly longer episode because of the two matches, but, um, anything you want to say before we, we wrap it up? Um, it's just mainly on the Man City match really is, is an interesting one because I think, well, because obviously they've got, they're playing Newcastle as we speak, I think, in the FA Cup. And then they've got, uh, as you said, Liverpool. And I think before our game, I mean, it, I don't know if that will change the team specs. And they find out about their Champions League uh, ban okay. before our game, I think. So it'd be interesting to sit, because obviously if they do get the ban, then their season's pretty much, because even if they finish set, it changes over. everything. Yeah, so I don't, as you, you said about how they would line up, maybe. They might change it and go, right, you know what, we'll change that. But it gives us... The good thing about this result against Watford is that we've won now and it gives us a good platform. Because as you said, if we'd have had the Arsenal game and then it was Man City next, it would have been quite a tough one. So to have Watford after, get that win. We've got a week at the training ground before we go back to St Mary. Well, we'll call it St Hell for us at the moment. But um, yeah, so basically, I think Man City's result... In with their appeal, I think might depend how they look at the next few games. And obviously, that them playing Liverpool will be a tough one for them, as we will have the break. So we might be a little bit fresher, but we'll I suppose we'll see when we get to that point. Yeah, yeah, it, it, a lot of things could be could be different. I mean, um, they're going to have to play Thursday Sunday, which we all know is not the 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 best. It could be that that Liverpool just completely take their foot off the gas and 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 play the kids, and Pep could do the same. And uh, there are all kinds of things that we'll have to kind of keep in mind but i think that will be something we'll look we'll look for on thursday um look at like what who pep starts and pep constantly rotates players so we'll, we'll see and then you know uh we'll see what sunday brings and um you know I, i'll take a good performance but maybe we should do them a favor and see if they would like to meet you know somewhere kind of in the middle and see if they want to play at vicarage road because we seem to play really well there instead <laughs> of coming all the way down st mary's but uh Jay, i just want to say thanks again for, for coming on the show and for your support of the show um both personally and through the Southampton page, which people can find on Twitter at Southampton page and also on Instagram at Southampton page one. Uh, they can get in touch with there and the links as always are in the show notes, but uh, thank you for everything. And it's a pleasure to see you again and pleasure to talk to you again. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's good to come on with a wing. So otherwise it would have been lost. I would have been a bit more moody and we wouldn't have had probably as much to talk about. So Luckily, I came on when uh, we won, so yeah, that's good. And yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. I mean, just it's it's nice to just have the, I guess, to just enjoy a win. Um, you know, it's it's almost midday here now, but I'm still uh, I'm still smiling. Uh, it's actually raining outside, which I don't understand, but um, that, that's okay too. And so, you know, I'm gonna go enjoy the rest of my day. I hope you enjoy the rest of your evening, and uh, maybe this is the start of a good week for us. Yeah, let's hope so. And uh, yeah, um, I suppose just everyone keeps safe. And yeah, that's all I can say really on that. On yeah, that one. absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you. And that does it for this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to both Chris Hutchings and Jamie Grant. Uh, you can find Chris on Twitter at HutchFM. I really appreciate uh, the time, the dedication, the perspective on everything from 
being in a match behind closed doors to exactly what maybe was going through Alex McCarthy's head when he decided to play it off of an Arsenal player and into our goal. Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation, even though it wasn't about a win. And and then Jamie Grant, uh, who you can find on Twitter at Southampton Page and on Instagram at Southampton Page One. But Southampton Page is the longtime partner page of the show, so I really appreciate Jay's support. It was nice to be able to talk about a win, uh, hopefully some momentum going forward, the 40-point mark, um, all kinds of, of really good things going on, including Denny Ings scoring goals. So I think we can all be pretty happy with how that went. Um, so make sure to follow along. If you don't already follow them on social media, uh, make sure you do that. If you want to follow this show while you're there, we are at SFC, D-E-L-L underscore I-V-E-R-Y on both Twitter and Instagram. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. There is no underscore in the Facebook address. If you're looking for an easy way to get to that, plus give people links to the show or maybe find links to the show for yourself, you can do that by going to southamptondelivery.com. I would like to thank Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram for doing the logo for the show. If you don't already follow him on Instagram, you should do that for all your match day edits, polls, competitions, and more. All music for this show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games and the end of show credits that you're listening to right now. It's Aim is True by Pottington Bear. And while you're here, before this ends, if I can ask you to do one thing, if you are enjoying the show, please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Share the show with a friend if you can't do that. Uh, I really would appreciate it. It helps the show uh, show up for people who maybe like Saints but don't already listen. And I very much appreciate that. So uh, that's enough for this week. Until next time, remember that together, we march on.